Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezi Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive into the show. Welcome to this week's episode, and we are talking today, why are you bloated? Why do you have IBS? Why do you have weird bowels? Maybe you're constipated, maybe you have looser stools, more diarrhea, maybe you swing between the two. Why? Why is that going on? Why do you have excess wind? Why are you uncomfortable? Why is your stomach painful? Maybe you've been told you have irritable bowel disease, uh, sorry, irritable bowel syndrome, and you've just kind of been told, oh, just stress less and like whatever. And you, you don't know what is going on. And from my perspective as a holistic nutritionist, as someone who's trained in functional medicine, there is definitely a reason. <laughs> like it's not just all in your head. It's not just like be less stressed. There can be some real clear reasons and data on why your belly is huge and sore and bloated, on why you can't poop normally, why you poop too much, why you are really struggling. There is definitely a reason. So I want to share with you today, I've got 14 reasons that I see all the time in my own um, online clinic and practice with clients. I've worked with clients on this for years now. I've worked with hundreds of people around their IBS and their bloating and their bowels and all these kind of things. So it's something I'm really good at helping you fix and solve. So that is what today's podcast is about, which I'm excited for. I love, honestly, I love talking to people about their poop, about their stomach, about their gut, about their belly. I've seen so much success with clients or my clients have seen success. They do the work. Let's be honest. I, you know, when you work with me, I don't come and knock on your door every morning and go, hi, I'm here to make you breakfast. You know, they do the work. I do the guidance and help with the problem solving and carry the mental load of it so that they just have to show up and do the stuff. Um, But I've seen so many clients see progress with this. It's just like a no brainer for me now. I know sometimes when you're listening to these things and you've tried things before, you can be like, no, 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 Kezia, you can't help me. Like I have IBS and I have this heart condition and I have this and I have this. I know it can feel really, really complicated with what's going on in your body, but there's so much we can do. And if you think you're beyond help, book a Zoom call with me and let's chat it through because chances are you're not. Chances are there's probably a simpler approach than what you realize and that a lot of stuff in the body is really interconnected um, a lot of the time. So that's what we're talking about today, but I hope you are doing well. Um, I'm recording this at the start of February, but you will be getting this at the week of Valentine's Day or more importantly now, the week of my girl's birthday. So I have twin girls and they will be turning one this week. Yep. I will be giving myself a round of applause. So they turn one this week and then we're going to have a little party, sort of baby blessing for them in a couple of weeks time. And um, yeah, I'm excited. And I'm, I, in all honesty, I was, when I found out I was having twins, I was really scared that I wouldn't cope, to be honest, with having, because my son was two when they were born. Uh, with having a two-year-old and having newborn twins and uh, uh, I and a business and a marriage and friendships and my own mental health and my own health, I was really genuinely scared. I would say I'm a pretty determined, I'll overcome any obstacle kind of person, but it was something I was, I was worried about. So I've made it to the year mark. I know that, you know, 
it's not, it's not all of a sudden everything gets totally plain sailing. But I do know that sleep generally will be better from here on in. Um, the first year with newborn twins and a toddler, I, I doubt sleep will consistently be worse. So that is good. So I'm just, yeah, I am very proud of myself and going to celebrate. Going to celebrate them. I'm so glad they're here. They're such a gift. And I'm going to celebrate myself. So that is exciting. So think of me. And I will, I know I've been saying this, I will record their birth story at some point. I really want to because there's not very many positive twin birth stories or positive twin vaginal birth stories, which is uh, girls were born um, vaginally. I don't like using the phrase natural or C-section because to be honest, it was a vaginal delivery, but they didn't, didn't feel anything natural about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was it was not uh, textbook natural delivery, which I'm generally fine with. Um, so anyway, so that is exciting. Otherwise, other things happening, just just doing what I do all the time. Oh, I've also I did actually connect with a couple of past clients recently. When you stop working with me, I always like to check in with how you're doing. So I had a client who started working with me, and it was really around hormones and getting pregnant, and she ended up getting pregnant like. I don't know, eight weeks into working together. And so she checked it. I checked in with her this week and she and her little baby's doing well. It's nearly two now, which is really fun. It's always fun when clients get pregnant. Um, <laughs> and so that is always, always good to do. Um, and I've been just checking with other clients as well as working with some new clients because I do have some space just now. So I've just been going through, I've got a bunch of stool test results waiting for me to review um, and one client was slightly freaked out because she has parasites, which actually comes up very commonly, which we'll talk about in this episode. So just been busy away doing client work and all of those kind of things. I also, my only other life update, my twins are turning one, well done me, is I thought I'd celebrate that by signing up for a 10K. So this is, this is I know this is not everyone's cup of tea. I'm one of those weird people that genuinely loves running. Like I, I like I, I really like it. I like it even more so now that it means I get away from my children and I'm outside. It's just like it ticks all my boxes. So I signed up for a 10K, a trail 10K. So that's what I'm going to be training for over the next couple of months. So yeah, which I'm, again, I'm quite amazed at that my body, I think sometimes when you've given birth, you feel like, you know, those few weeks after you've given birth, you're like, like all my insides are just going to fall out. Like I'll never run again. Like I'll never do anything again. (laughs) She's so battered and bruised and bleeding and stitched and whatever. But you know, it's fun that after you're like, oh yeah, wow, my body had two humans in it. Now it doesn't. And it kind of has gone, not gone back to normal, but you know what I mean? It's recovered. It's its new normal. That's where my body is at. Anyway, Let's get on with today's show. We are talking about why you might be bloated, why you have IBS. If you have any questions, let me know. Also, I do have space for new clients. You know what to do. You've been listening to the podcast regularly. I know it can feel really weird to like book a Zoom call with someone you listen to a podcast to or someone you hear on the internet and it can feel really awkward. Honestly, these are really fun, chilled, no pressure chats. So if you are interested, keziahall.com forward slash book. That's keziahall.com forward slash book. You don't have to sign up to anything on the call. It's just a chat. We can chat things through. I'd love to speak with you. Okay. Lots of love. So why do you have IBS? Why are you bloated? Why do you have weird 
bowel habits. Maybe you're a bit on the loose side. Maybe you're constipated. Maybe like a lot of my clients, you swing in between. Why is all that going on? So this is part two in the why series. Why do I? Why have I? Um, that I am doing so that you can get some real answers. Because so often, like I talked about in last week's episode, which was what is a holistic approach? So many, of, so often we like fall between the cracks. <laughs> Sorry. That's a very, yeah, cracks. We're talking about bowels. <clears throat> anyway, I'll not, uh, you know, <laughs> make myself laugh. Um, but so many of us do. We fall between the cracks. We fall. We like, especially with these kind of things. When we're bloated, we've have we've been diagnosed maybe with IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, which is a syndrome. It's not really a condition. It's a group of symptoms where we know there's no irritable bowel disease going on, but we don't. So we know there's nothing super sinister, which is great news. And um, I don't know if for, for me, I have had, I think I was told I had IBS at like 16, age 16. And then I had loads of tests for, I had, it was tested. I've been tested for celiac disease a million times. I don't have celiac disease. Um, I had sigmoidoscopies. They thought I had colitis, no, Crohn's disease for a long time, had all these things. Um, and then in the end it was like, oh, you have IBS. That's kind of just be less stressed essentially. Um, which is quite frustrating when it's, it was really affecting my life, my brain, my just planning, like just, you know, for me, I had IBS and it was like IBS D sometimes it gets called, which is like more of a diarrhea side of things. Um, I might, I just tend to look at IBS all the same thing, but essentially there was, I was just told there wasn't much we could do about it. And I was bloated a lot of the time. I often got asked if I was pregnant when I was due, my baby when I wasn't pregnant. And now that I have been pregnant, I definitely did look pregnant, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes people say that and you're like, yeah, okay, we've never been pregnant, but no, I, I did. I did just look pregnant. So that's what we're looking at. Why is that? Because often you just kind of get told, mm, it's because you're a bit stressed or oh, maybe you need to go on low FODMAP or um, that's often the, the dietary advice you'd get most probably in the UK. Um, and I want to talk about what's really going on because when you know what's really going on, then you can do something about it. And I, myself, I wouldn't, wouldn't say I have IBS anymore at all. I'm rarely bloated. My bowels are regular, twice a day, every day, no drama zero drama. I really want you to have no drama belly and no drama digestion, no drama toilet habits, no drama, uh, any like reflux, pain, spasm, like just for your belly and for your bowels to just like for you to not even think about them, like just not think about them, which if you have struggled in this area, like I've worked with so many people around this, either they have been officially diagnosed with IBS or they haven't. I'd probably say 80% of the time people that I work with are struggling with these set of symptoms. And this, that might not be their main goal of working with me, but I have seen it time and time again, these kinds of symptoms just shift and change and disappear over and over again. And the reason for that is, is we figure out why. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you 14 real reasons that this could be happening for you. And so if you do want to see that shift, if you do want to feel like you're not bloated and heavy and sluggish or just sore, like I remember my stomach just used to be so painful. Or I had a client I've just finished up working with um, and she honestly, the doctors honestly thought something really sinister was going on. She did 
the the right thing. She went and got all the tests, worked with her GP. She was because she was in so much pain, so much pain in her stomach, and there was a history of irritable bowel disease in her family, and a couple of other bowel things. So you know, she did her due diligence, got everything checked, everything was fine, but she was in pain all the time. And she was a busy working professional. She was also studying. She like, there was lots going on in her life, but she was in so much pain and it was affecting her ability to job, affecting her relationships, all of these things. And then actually when we kind of worked back, we figured out what her key reasons were. And now a couple of months later, after spending six months in loads of pain, it like, it's a, doesn't, it's a rare, she'll have like a rare flare up. And when she does have a flare up, she knows exactly what to do about it. And it disappears really, really quick. And it's less intense. So, and it's just that powerful when you know your reason, but I would bet, bet my bottom dollar, whatever phrase that is, that her reasons for her, what essentially was an IBS type thing, um, are not, the, her reasons would not be yours. So that's why if you want to see a shift, if you want the pain to go, if you want to feel like, because um, the amazing thing about if you've been bloated for a long time, when you stop being bloated, it feel, you feel so much lighter and trimmer. You feel like a lot of, sometimes clients will be like, you know, because often I can like, take a good guess. I've been doing this for a long time now, guys. I have a lot of experience. I've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of people especially around things like bloating, IBS, bowels, constipation, also hormones, skin, those kind of things. I just know, like after a couple of weeks, often people of working together in my one-to-one program, they're like, oh my goodness, Kezia, I, you know what? I feel like I've lost like half a stone. And you know what? In two weeks, you're not going to have lost seven pounds of fat. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen unless you've been fasting, which is not a protocol I use in my practice. So, and it's because they're not bloated. And what is bloating? Bloating, a really simple way of thinking about it is when your stomach is descended out. So it bloats, it almost is a bit inflamed or swells is another way of thinking about it. Um, and that is, a, it's, a, it's an inflammation. Thinking about it like a form of inflammation. You know, say you twisted your ankle, your ankle would swell up. And it's kind of similar-ish context slightly different, but you know, go with my metaphor here. Your belly, if there's inflammation going on, if there is some imbalance going on, it's going to swell up. It's, but for some reason we kind of think, oh no, I should definitely sort out my ankle if it's swelling, put ice on it. But with our bellies, we're just like, yeah, I'm just bloated and uncomfortable and in pain. Oh well, (laughs) I I don't know why we have that disconnect, but, and and, and there is so, there is a reason. And so if you want to feel better, if you want to get your energy back, if you want to feel really, really good, if you want to just feel comfortable in your clothes. I had a client who wasn't bloated at the start of the day. So she would, this is when people went to offices, she would go to her office and she had like different clothes that she would change into when she went to the office because she felt she would get so bloated and uncomfortable at the end of the day and just feel so horrible sitting at a desk with like her work trousers on. And she had like a whole other wardrobe for her like bloated belly versus her actual belly. And there was several dress sizes difference. And she constantly was like planning, trying to figure out when she would be bloated. She thought about like, she looked at food and couldn't find any patterns, which is really common. People will be like, well, I tried ditching dairy and it helped a little bit. But then one day when I didn't have any dairy at all, I still got really bloated. Or another day when I ate tons of dairy, I didn't get bloated. And so, you know, that is a really common thing, which we'll talk about. Um, And she just had to have like a whole different set of clothes and wardrobes. And when we could figure out why and what was going on, 
then it was just life was simpler and she felt happier and she felt more comfortable in her clothes. She wasn't constantly being like, oh, do I need a dress and some leggings because this isn't going to fit? Or same with bowels. I remember when I had chronic diarrhea, I um, would plan my life around where was toilets. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable going to somewhere new until I'd like researched and Googled or figured out where the toilets were. If I went somewhere new and I didn't know where the toilets were, I'd feel really, really anxious the whole time. And like that would be like the first thing I would be mentally scanning for when we got there, it's like, where are the toilets? Where can I go? Or where is there some trees and bushes? And where is there like, you know, because when you live with chronic diarrhea, like you don't always have the luxury of being like, oh, there's a nice toilet. No, like it's, it, it, and, it, and that really affects your mental health. It really affects your confidence. Like no one wants to be like shitting behind a bush unless you're like up a mountain. Like I'm all for a wild weeing and I'm not bothered. Like I'm actually, I think I've, but forced to, I, I'll happily pee and poop anywhere outside because I love being outside. I do a lot of outdoor stuff, mountain climbing, like whatever, all that stuff. So there's no toilets there. But I mean, you don't want to, you know, let's be real. So why is that happening? If you want that to change. So, and because when this shifts, I've seen this with myself, seen this with tons of my clients, like this client I was just talking about before, I know I've talked about those clients, but the one with lo in loads of pain, it was really affecting her energy. When you can shift um, your the pain levels, for example, or your bloating, your IBS, or you, that really impacts your energy and it really impacts your mental health as well. So what is going on here? This is something I have so much experience with. If you want my help with this, I love working with people with bowel issues, bloating, stomach problems, IBS, or maybe you've never been diagnosed with IBS. You've just kind of been told, eh, be less stressed, try low FODMAP and nothing is helping. I love this stuff and I'm really good at helping people. If you come to me with this set of symptoms, you might have been struggling for a decade, maybe two decades. Like a client recently came to me, um, a lot of stomach pain at night and bloating and some bowel issues and a couple of other things going on as well. They'd been struggling for at least three decades. So 30 years, 30 years. Um, and obviously they'd gone through all the channels. Everything's quite normal. I was not like, sometimes people are like, oh no, you can't help me. Like I'm beyond help. I like this client. I was like, oh, I can definitely help you. This is like, I'm so confident we can help you feel better. And then what do you know, we're like a month into our program and their pain levels already gone down by like 50% and all of that good stuff. So I love this thing doing this thing. So this thing, this stuff. So if you are struggling with IBS, with bloating, with constipation, with diarrhea, with somewhere in between, if you've got stomach pains, cramping, spasms, you've tried a lot of the stuff out there, or you just feel really overwhelmed, I would love to work with you. I know I could help. And it, and, and often a lot of this stuff, as we're going to talk about, is just figuring out the why. And that's what I'm really good at. I'm a great problem solver. I keep on digging, keep on asking those questions. Keep on doing the research until we get to your answers. So if you want to have a happy and flatter belly, if you want to feel really good by the time we get to the summer, if you want no drama poos, you want no sore, bloated, hard, hot, horrible stomach, I'd love to work with you. I have space for new clients just now. I've been wrapping up some programs with other clients who've seen phenomenal results that I'll maybe share with you in future with some future case stories. Then come and work with me. The best thing you will need to do to get started is for us to just have a conversation. These are really chilled conversations. They're not, um, they're like, there's no pressure 
honestly, I really believe the right people come to me at the right time. I know working with me needs to be the right time for you because it's a time and money investment, but I don't work with you and if I'm unless I'm really confident that yeah, you are totally going to see a tenfold return of all of the things you're investing in this. So keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your Zoom call. I'd love to chat with you. We can just figure out what's going to work, what's happening. So do make sure you do that because I do have space for new clients and I'd love to help you. Okay, so why do you have IBS? Why do you feel bloated? Why do you have weird bowels? I've got 14 reasons here. Now, these are by, this is by no means extensive. Like there's lots of other stuff and I'm constantly learning. Constant. I actually just signed up to like a year long learning training thing for some, as part of my continued professional development, which is exciting. I'm diving even deeper into genetics and lab tests and just all of the things. Um, so here is four potential causes for your bloating and for your IBS, but it's by no means extensive. There can be lots of other stuff going on, but these are things that come up a lot when I've worked with clients. So I'm going to go through these. If you want to know more, probably the best way of act, if you're like, if we get to the end of this and you're like, okay, well, how do I figure out which ones of these are? The quickest, most efficient way of figuring that out is by running some lab tests and running a really good quality stool and gut test where you send off a stool sample. And again, this would be different from the stool sample you maybe have given to your GP or your PCP um, because it's not necessarily looking for disease. So when you send it to your GP, they'll be really they'll be looking to see if you've got high levels of cow protectin or was it lactoferrin or lysosomes, which would be indicators of irritable bowel disease. What this test, the test that I run with my clients and that I include in as part of the um, program investment fee is more about looking at function. It's more about telling you what is going on. It's really extensive. It's super scientific. It's based on like up-to-date um, results and research around our gut microbiome because that's something we're constantly learning about and that is the quickest, best, most efficient way of getting you results quickly because you will know exactly which of these is happening for you. Not like, well, I think it's this one, but maybe not. It just saves you so much time and it means you accelerate your results tenfold. That's why I include it when all my programs is I get everyone I work with to do a gut test. It's the ming, it's a minging test to do. I'm not going to lie. You've got to take scoops of your own poo and send it off via a courier to the lab. But the results are awesome. Like I just, I was got two actually gut tests waiting for me for new clients that I'm working with. And like such a surprise, like one client has got like a parasite going on and she was like, oh, oh my goodness, this is gross. And some yeast stuff. Another client, there was just a lot of dysbiosis happening, like a lot of imbalance, should we say, that needs working on. And so yeah, it's always, it just means you take the guesswork out and it means you are actually working on real data as opposed to, I think I have gluten intolerant or I think I have bacteria, like I think I have candida. No, that's not guess. Test, don't guess. Okay, so 14 potential root causes or reasons or whys for your bloating, for your weird bowels, for your IBS, for all of those slightly embarrassed. Oh, this could also be farting as well. Didn't mention that foul, horrible farting, excessive burping. I have a client just now whose main problems were like reflux and excessive burping, which again, is, it's not pleasant if she works in a public facing role. Okay, so just to cover all the bases. Number one, uh, one reason for your bloating could be you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or small intestinal fungal overgrowth, aka SIBO. 
this is often the case, the research varies on this, but between five to up to 75%. So that is obviously varying. There's different research, different papers, different thoughts, but somewhere between five and up to 75% of people with constant bloating and an IBS diagnosis actually have this infection in their small intestine. It's a really, I see it all the time with clients, I've got a client right now actually, came to me with a, a SIBO, uh, one of many things happening in her gut, uh, very common. This is often the typical symptoms of this is when you're basically like constantly bloated, especially in your upper abdomen. So just below your chest. And this would be when you're constantly bloated, it might get worse, but you generally just feel bloated all the time. Um, and can, um, and this is very much, you know, when people have, have tried gluten-free, I've tried dairy-free, I've tried all these things, I've tried low-fat, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this, and nothing seems to budge your bloat. If nothing seems to budge the bloating, then it's potentially SIBO. And there would be a separate breath test that you would do to um, test for that, if that makes sense. So again, this is something that comes up a lot with clients. It requires quite a rigorous protocol, but it is doable. It's a bit of a pain, I'm not gonna lie, but it's totally doable and there's quite a lot of research on it and it's uh, it's seen a lot of the time when there's bloating and IBS, so number one. Number two would be poor stomach acid. This might be, sometimes it might be too high, but most of the time when I'm working with clients in my little cohort of people that I work with, it's too low stomach acid. So this means you don't digest your protein properly. And if you don't have properly digested protein, then it ferments in your gut, ferments in that small intestine and can then contribute to that SIBO that we talked about for reason number one. So poor stomach acid, really important. You might have poor stomach acid because you are on medications that suppress your stomach acid, things like omeprazole, lansoprol, often the prols. Um, if you are on those medications, those medications, it's always worth reviewing that with your doctor because you're never meant to be on them long term. We know from research and if you read the little leaflet that comes with those things, long term use of those medications often leads to low B12, low iron absorption and a whole host of other problems because it's really important that you have good stomach acid. So poor stomach acid, it's really simple but it causes a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot. Um, Number three, you just don't have a lot. Sorry, you don't have a lot of good bacteria in your gut. So again, this I see this in test results a lot, and especially if you've had a history of a lot of antibiotics or um, contraceptive pills. Often people have both. I can often tell just by looking at someone's stool test results if they've had a history of being on the contraceptive pill because of the lack of diversity, and that's one of just one of the side effects of um, of the contraceptive pill. Benefit: don't get pregnant side effect. It's really not great for your gut microbiome. And you could argue other things as well. So um, lack of good bacteria or another way of thinking about that lack of diversity. The gut, your stomach, your digestive system is really runs on diversity. Okay, number four is that you have a bacterial infection in your stomach. So the most common one that you might know of is H. pylori. This would be something that your GP would um, test for. And if you tested positive, you would get um, antibiotics for that. Um, and this can be something that can play this H. pylori as the bacterial infection will reduce your stomach acid and cause a whole host of problems. Um, and it's not very nice. So that can be something you can always run through your GP. That's often found in older people, not older people, but you would rarely, I, I don't think you tend to see cases of H. pylori in like a 20 year old, it'd be more like late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and often comes with acid reflux, that persistent kind of heartburn reflux, those kind of symptoms. And again, it's something you could have treated um, 
pharmaceutically with your GP as well. But again, you always want to look at what's the root cause of that. Because the idea is the reason your stomach is so acidic is that because it it, it, it's acidic to help you break down proteins, but also to kill bacteria. So if you have H. pylori, you need to look at why, what the reason for that. And probably it's because your stomach acid hasn't been potent. The pH hasn't been low enough. So pH of one is very acidic. pH 14 is very alkali. You've probably not had a very low enough acidity, the right pH going on in your stomach to kill off those kind of bacteria, which is kind of one of the many roles for having such an acidic stomachs for producing stomach acid. Okay, next thing is parasites. Like I mentioned before, this comes up a lot. This might be Blastocystis hominis. This might be an Entenebia. They're always very difficult to pronounce. Like parasites come up a lot. Sometimes parasites can be commensal. So sometimes they come up in clients' test results and they aren't really causing problems. Parasites generally, again, each parasite is slightly different, but generally parasites have a like a three to four week life cycle. So often parasites are matched with very cyclical symptoms, meaning I'm not bloated, I don't have any bowel issues at all. And then I suddenly have a week where it's terrible and then I'm kind of fine and then it's terrible and then I'm fine and then it's terrible. So it's generally a bit of a cycle with it. So parasites. Number six is a prolonged time of eating high sugar, high carbohydrate diet. So I worked with a client who, um, there was a couple of stress triggers and various things going on. But the one of the biggest contributing factors was they were in their late 50s and they'd just basically spent 30 years drinking alcohol, not like a ridiculous amount, but basically sugar, eating sweets, really high carbohydrate, just a poor diet for a really long time, matched with stress, matched with sporadic use of antibiotics. And that had just done their gut no good. So if you've spent a long period of time um, just eating, like if you just think of like most students I know, for example, spend four years of their life drinking loads of alcohol, eating tons of bread and toast, sugar, sweets, coffee, like that is really creating an environment for a lot of imbalance in your gut because carbs and sugar fuel your more pathogenic or opportunistic bacteria. So they fuel some, sorry, is a better way of saying it, of the pathogenic pathogenic and opportunistic bacteria yeast in your gut. Okay, number seven, stress. So whether this is emotional or physical, whether it's real, whether it's perceived, we know from the research stress is a total nightmare for your digestion, for your stomach, for your bowels, for your pooping, for your digestion of food. Now, this is also something that often people resist looking at who have struggled with digestive issues for a long time because often when you go through um, medical channels, conventional channels, everything gets, you kind of just get told everything's to do with stress and essentially you just be like told to stress less. But if you're like crapping yourself or haven't pooped in a week or in constant pain and bloated, you're a bit like, uh, I'm stressed because I'm shitting myself all the time. It, you know, I can understand that, but that doesn't negate the fact that stress plays a huge, huge role. Remember, you have your nervous system. Your nervous system does a lot, but one of the things we have control of with your nervous system is something called the sympathetic state and the parasympathetic state, aka rest and digest, fight and flight mode. When your body is in fight and flight mode, you will not, your body will not prioritize digestion. It will not prioritize stomach acid production very well. You will greatly impair digestion. So if your nervous system, if you don't know how to calm down. If you're, I talk about it with clients like a pendulum. Pendulum, you swing. The goal is throughout the day, you swing from rest and digest, fight and flight, and you you swing healthily between the two. You don't get stuck 
in either of these states. Most people with gut issues are stuck. Their normal, their quote unquote normal state, biological, biochemical state of being is fight and flight mode. This can be due, due to adverse childhood events. This can be due to not knowing, not being able, not knowing how to calm down. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're walking around like a headless chicken, freaking out all the time. Stress could actually feel really normal to you. That's your total baseline. You wouldn't, if I asked you if you felt stressed, you wouldn't say yes. That's, I see this a lot with clients. They're actually really capable, very high performing, doing a lot of stuff. They're not overly emotional, but their body is stressed. So it plays a huge role. You will not support your gut health. You will not improve your bloating and your bowels and your digestion if you are in a stress state. You just won't. It's that big a deal. And I see this a lot. A lot of people doing, I'm doing my candida protocol. I'm doing my small intestine, my SIBO protocol. I'm doing my leaky gut protocol. I'm doing a parasite cleanse, whatever stuff you've Googled. And they're doing that really hard and they're following some really restrictive protocol. They're getting really stressed out about it. They aren't supporting their nervous system or their vagus nerve or their signaling or their gut motility. They try and do this really restrictive thing really, really hard. Maybe makes 10% difference because they weren't in the right state to heal. And that is really important. You don't just, you can't just do a, just, I'll just push harder on my leaky gut protocol. I'll just push more on my SIBO or my candida cleanse. I'll just take, get rid of even more sugar. No, no. If you've tried this stuff before and you've not seen success, it will be because you need to support your nervous system. I do this all the time with my clients. It is total game changer. Come and work with me if you sink into that boat. If you're like, I've literally tried all these things because yeah, I made zero progress. I am your gal. Okay, so stress. Number eight, history of antibiotics. So antibiotics are like a big nuclear bomb that goes off in your gut and they just kill all the bacteria and um, get rid of that diversity. So if you've had a history of antibiotics recently, even just a couple of rounds, say you, like, you know, I had a client recently who just had a period of time of getting loads of UTIs, which FYI, if you get regular UTIs, there's often something to do with your gut in that, by the way. FYI. A lot of my clients with gut issues also have UTI stuff, urinary tract things going on. Anyway, um, and uh, so she just had like, she'd not really had a lot of antibiotics in her life apart from like three rounds of trying to get on top of this urinary tract infection. That can be it. Or like for me, I was like on antibiotics constantly from like ages, I don't know, seven to 13, just like plus tons of antibiotics, plus tons of sugar, plus some stressful stuff terrible combination. Okay, number eight is increased intestinal permeability, sometimes called leaky gut. And this is when the gut lining has become too permeable due to inflammation, food intolerances, stress, poor diet, various things. This, um, and this often, a lot of these things don't work in isolation. So I'm giving you 14 separate reasons, but often there is a collection of these things go together. So intestinal permeability or leaky gut would go with SIBO, it would go with poor stomach acid, it would go with parasites, it would go with stress, these kind of things. Okay, number 10 would be undiagnosed celiac disease. This has come up not loads with my clients, but does come up a few times and it's always worth checking because if you have undiagnosed celiac disease, a bit of a disaster. <laughs> it's just, it's a big autoimmune condition. You'll, yeah, it, that will not do your immune system or your gut any good. 
Also, it's also worth knowing that you might have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which also comes up in the research. So I do not have celiac disease. I've been tested for it like a trillion times, but I definitely feel worse when I eat gluten. So I would self-diagnose as having a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So I will not die if I eat gluten, which is great. I'm very grateful for that. But if I were to eat just even like lovely homemade sourdough bread every day. Even now, I wouldn't get bloated or have any bowel issues because I've got good resiliency in my gut. I would, it would just affect my energy and it would affect my mental health. Okay, number 10, histamine intolerance. This could also put in brackets issues with oxalates, ox, sorry, oxalates, sacilates, sacilates, don't know how you say that. Anyway, but a common one, histamine intolerance. See this a lot, especially when there's estrogen issues, hormone imbalances going on, hay fever, hives, eczema, skin issues, overactive or underactive immune system. Histamine is a big thing, big thing, big thing, big thing. Um, and that often goes hand in hand with some sort of imbalance with the bacteria in your gut. Okay, number 12, long use of medication. So this might be the contraceptive pill. This might be an SSRI, so a, serotonin, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I think that's how we call it. Anyway, antidepressant might be long-term antibiotics. Sometimes if you have rosacea or maybe even a urinary tract infection, sometimes the um, treatment is like a long-term low-grade antibiotic. The, you might be on a protein pump inhibitor, so that would be like a meprazole or lansoprol or these other kinds of things. Again, long-term use of medications can massively um, impact the gut. And if you, for a lot of medications, if you just go on like BNF, the British National Formulary, or look, even look at your side effects and just look, a lot of medications will have side effects of gastrointestinal issues. So again, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be taking them. It doesn't mean don't make it wrong if you have been on them point of medications is to improve your quality of life so I mean I assume like this you know so that's the point of being on them is that you haven't had an improved quality of life but now it might be time to review and look at that potentially um another one a huge one that you know I'm a big fan of is food intolerances so you might have that non-celiac gluten sensitivity you might have a dairy intolerance you might have eggs have a client right at the moment we're just through an elimination process we realize eggs I think e eggs and almonds just really aren't her friend um, food intolerances is a big one. The common ones are dairy and gluten. So I always start there with clients, but it might be eggs. It might be onions. It might be high histamine foods. So bananas, avocados, strawberries, these kind of things. It might be oxalates. And again, this is all really very technical, so don't worry too much, but really beginning. If you've got, if you've been struggling with bloating and IBS for a long time and you have not tried going gluten-free, or dairy-free, definitely experiment with that, first and foremost. It's really simple. It's so much easier now. The biggest thing with food intolerance, especially gluten and dairy, is your mindset, is the fact that it feels like a bigger deal than it is. It, it's not as big a deal as your brain makes it out to be, because your brain goes to total drama, like, oh my goodness, Kezia says to go gluten-free. Oh my God, I'm never going to eat bread again. What am I going to do at my birthday? What about Christmas? What will I eat at Christmas? No, you really don't need to think that far ahead. Commit to 21 days, 30 days of no gluten, then review and assess. You, If you feel slightly better, carry on. If you don't, that's fine. Experiment. Treat all dietary changes with curiosity, experimentation. Like, this isn't for the rest of your life. You know, of course you'll eat birthday cake again. 
duh. <laughs> you know, I am not the nutritionist that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I don't eat cake. Just put some birthday candles and an apple for me. If you did that, I'd like slap you across the face. On my birthday, I want a birthday cake. Just... Just putting it out there. Yep, some years that's been a grain-free and dairy-free and refined sugar-free birthday cake. Some years it's been a full-on, what was this year? I think a gluten-free caterpillar cake, you know, (laughs) just a gluten-free version. Like, you know, there's been changes with that, but don't let your brain go into all the drama. Don't entertain all the kind of future worrying. Just get curious. Okay. So food intolerances. And the next one is poor bile release or production. Maybe you don't have a gallbladder. Maybe you've had it removed. Maybe you know there's problems there. Whatever it is, that can play a huge role. Also, there's loads more other things like poor migrating motility complex, which is the movement of your gut. You've got poor vagus nerve tone, low magnesium, nutrient depletions, all these things. But those are the 14. Okay. There's loads more happening. If you want to know what might be the case for you, book your Zoom call with me, your free Zoom call. We can kind of go through to say you listen to this podcast and then we can go through which ones I think potentially might be affecting you most. We can chat about lab tests. The best, but this is honestly, if you want to see real shift in your belly, your energy, and remember your gut affects everything. So when you improve your gut, you improve your mental health, your hormones, your skin, your libido, your joy, you improve so many aspects, your energy, it makes such a difference. This really is, don't, it's really not worth, like you just don't have to live feeling like utter crap. You just need to figure out what is really going on. And if you want help with that, feel free to book in your call, kezuhall.com forward slash book. We can just have a quick 20 minute chat, figure it out and I'll give you my thoughts. Or, you know, you can find out more about working with me But these are some of the biggest reasons I see. Again, there's lots more reasons that can happen. But have a think. Which one of these 14? If you've got no idea, book your call. Otherwise, have a think. Oh, you might be like, you know what? I have been really stressed with the pandemic. I've also actually had a couple of rounds of antibiotics. I've also kind of slipped into having a really quite high carb, high sugar, high alcohol diet. Like that might like, great. Those might, you can start with those things and just pick one. Of those things, don't try and address all three at the same time. Just pick one and you might be like, okay, I'm going to really work on the stress thing. I've seen this 21-day meditation challenge. I'm going to sign up to do that. Brilliant. That will really benefit your gut. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I actually just want to do a dry February, dry March. I'm just going to cut out alcohol and I'm going to make sure my breakfast has more protein in it. Like you suddenly start eating omelets for breakfast. Like I know these things can be sound really like, oh my goodness, SIBO, whoa. Like, but you can really just make this, it's a small actions that you take each day that can really make a big difference. Okay. So I hope this is helpful. I will be doing back probably in two weeks to do another episode of this series of why, where we'll be looking at why you have um, fat that doesn't move. Like why is there excess fat on your body? And it is not just because you're eating too many calories. (laughs) Like if that was, I wouldn't do a podcast if that was the case, because the podcast would be like two minutes long. You have excess body fat because you just have too many calories versus your energy output. That is not the full picture. That is not the full reason why. So we're going to look at why. So if you struggle to shift fat, if you find that you just like body composition, that's really difficult for you. And it is genuinely something you want to work on this year, even in a really loving kind of um, holistic way. The next episode is going to be 
for you. The next one of this series will be. So let me know any questions. You can get me at admin at keziahall.com or head over to Instagram to search Kezia Hall. Again, if you want to book your Zoom call, that's keziahall.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K, keziahall.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. And I'd love, I'd love to chat with you on Zoom. Even if you like decide not to work with me, it's so fun. Like I just sit in my office and talk to myself. It's, it's always, it's always more fun to talk to people. <laughs> Thank you for joining me and I will see you next week for another episode. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please head to iTunes and leave a review as I would be so grateful to get your feedback and it really helps me to reach more people. If you are interested in working with me, you know the first thing you need to do is head to keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your Zoom call. This is a really informal chat. We'll just chat through what the program's like, what you might need, what lab tests are going to help you best. Like you can just get all your questions asked. It's no... Like you're not committing to anything by having one of these calls. It's a really chilled, fun chat. I would love to speak with you as much as I love running this podcast. You know, it's always nice to have someone talk back. So if you're interested in working with me, I do have spaces. Head to keziahall.com forward slash book and we can chat soon. Otherwise, thank you for being here and I will see you next week.